It's Thursday, May 7th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and we are wrapping up International Week. Joining me from Fool UK Studios in London, Mark Rogers. How are you, my friend? Hey, Chris. Uh, doing really well, thanks. So, there is a general election today, um, but you and I are taping this ahead of time. So, this is so I'm, I'm not going to put you in the position of, of predicting <laughs> who's going to win. Or, <laughs> so, so, I don't. Or, I don't have to pretend like it's like it's Thursday right now. Exactly, and I know, right? Exactly, but uh, you know, at the Motley Fool, we are uh, not as interested in general about what happens with elections. We're generally, as a business, more interested in what does it mean for investors. So, whether David Cameron is reelected or uh, Ed Miliband wins. What do you think the landscape looks like for investors in the UK? Yeah, it's clear it's going to go right down to the wire this election. Um, there's, if anything, if, if one thing is clear, it's that there will not be a clear winner um, of this election. It's highly likely to go to a hung parliament, which means that effectively no one is in charge, um, especially if nobody can form a coalition government. Um, and the consequences for that are, are pretty much as it sounds. There's going to be a lot of uh, nervousness among investors about the what-ifs. Um, what if the S&P, for instance, the Scottish National Party, can form a coalition with the Labour Party? And what the consequences of that could be for the wider country and for investors too. So, there's a lot to think about. On Tuesday, I was talking with Scott Phillips and Andrew Page from Fool Australia. One of the things we talked about was the fact that you're looking at the stock market in Australia, and it's at a record high. Looking at the market in the UK right now, the FTSE, uh, the main index in the UK, is at an all-time high. So I have a couple of questions. My first of uh, the first of which is: Are investors nervous? It's always a little bit of a double-edged sword. It's at least here in America where people are excited that the market is at a high, but you also have a good chunk of people who are just nervous. You know, it's exactly the same here too. It's it's funny how no matter which country you're in, when you get a situation like this, when you have a bull market, the market's hitting new highs. When you look back on it, you know, three years in the past, and and you see the market hitting highs, you think you know uh, it was such a a pleasant you know, euphoric time to be in the market. But when you're in the moment, um, it doesn't always feel that way. And I think it's it's probably the same in the UK right now. There is still quite a bit of of nervousness still climbing that proverbial wall of worry um, as we as we hit those highs. To go back to the conversation I had with the guys from Australia, one of the things they touched on was that you know it's not all sunshine and rainbows for every industry across the board. Housing is is getting you know if not overheated, certainly pretty warm in Australia. The mining industry in terms of the stock performance has really been quite terrible of late. And I'm curious, when you look out across uh, the stock market in the UK, is it the same sort of situation, or or is this a rising tide lifting all boats? Are all industries looking good, or are there certain industries that are uh, maybe more troubled than others? Yeah, it's a real mixed bag at the moment. Um, I think when you look at the composition of the of the FTSE 100, there are a lot of oil services companies in there, uh, giants, the likes of BP and Shell, that make up a large part of that index, but at the same time, there's uh, it's it's certainly not uh, a case where you can make too many generalizations from sector to sector. 
Um, oil is, is, as I mentioned, having a hard time of it at the moment. Um, I think that's, that's the same in markets throughout the world. But when you sort of dig beneath the surface and you look at the individual names, look at the individual stories, um, some companies are enjoying, uh, for instance, lower energy prices uh, in buoying uh, consumer confidence at the moment. So it's, it's certainly a mixed story across the sectors. I'm why I two questions sort of pivoting off of the oil and gas. One of the narratives that has been playing out in the US over the last six months is a ripple effect from lower gas prices is a positive thing for some consumer facing industries, restaurants and retail in particular. Gas prices are lower, so it's less expensive for people to drive around. So they're going to go out, do a bit more shopping, eating out a little bit more. Not every restaurant and retail outlet is seeing that, but enough of them have called that out in their recent earnings reports that people are pointing to it as as an overall positive for those industries. Are you seeing that play out in the UK as well? Yeah, I think it, it can take a longer for things to, to play out in terms of consumers feeling better off. Um, it, it might take several months of lower energy bills and lower um, gas prices, petrol prices, um, in terms of making people feel better off and then becoming that bit more confident to go out and spend that extra money uh, at the end of the month. So it's it's certainly something that takes a little t- extra time to, to flow through, but yeah, definitely. We see individual retailers benefiting from this broadly, um, but it really is a case of picking the winners um, and identifying the, the companies that are most set to value in that environment. I know you've been spending some time doing some small cap research, and I want to get to that in a second. But before that, what are a couple, for anyone who's looking at the UK stock market with some fresh eyes, what are a couple of companies that you think are particularly interesting? Not necessarily recommendations, although they could be, but I'm curious if there are a couple of stocks that you look at and think, boy, this this is interesting for any number of reasons. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're coming to the UK market from an outsider perspective, one stock that would be really interesting to look at as a case study, if nothing else, would be Tesco. Uh, quite a, a familiar name to anyone who's visited the UK. Uh, massive retailer, by far and away the most dominant retailer in the UK, and it enjoyed this glorious period of growth between the 1990s and up until around the time of the financial crisis. Uh, Tesco just dominated the UK supermarket space. And it's really interesting as a case study because I know I I travel to the US sporadically myself and I see uh, companies like Target, companies like Walmart. And it's interesting to look at, it's almost like a parallel universe where you can look at a different country with a similar culture, uh, same language, and a, a lot of similarities, and to see a different series of companies uh, dominating that marketplace and asking a few what-if questions about how those companies have have performed and how their fortunes have developed. Uh, it's it's been quite startling over the last um, two or three years seeing, I guess you call it the fall fall from grace of Tesco. So if I had to pick one. Uh, that would be the company that I would um, spend some time looking at that I think is is really quite interesting. To what extent, if any, has Tesco been effective in driving some of their business online? Because we've we've seen some retailers, uh, and not necessarily re- retailers on the scale of Walmart and Target, but we've seen some specialty retailers, Williams-Sonoma, which does kitchen and, and home goods, uh, 
they've been particularly effective at driving business not only through physical stores, but also online as well as catalogs. And I'm curious if, if Tesco has had any success moving online. Well, Tesco are really pioneers in the UK when it came to leading the charge. Uh, they were the dominant supermarket at the time, and they were seen as being really at the cutting edge of leading a Tesco.com grocery front. So these guys were the first to, to really implement online grocery shopping in the in the UK. Um, and it's it's a trend that really picked up quite strongly. And uh, another one that, that's quite interesting is click and collect, which is another form of uh, online strategy that, that Tesco's really pioneered here, where they pack the groceries for you, you pay for it and order them online, and you pick them up packed and ready at the store. And obviously, there's, there's no delivery charge in, involved in that. And that's that's something that's really taken off and been quite popular. So it's, it's interesting um, to, to compare that to what uh, U.S. retailers at the same time have done. Now, as I mentioned, you've been doing some small cap research. I think we're, we're getting ready to unveil a new service in the U.K. Um, what is the small cap market like? Um, uh, you and I were talking before we started taping. It does seem like, uh, similar to the U.S., depending on how small you want to go, there are some really unusual businesses or at least companies that are trying to pass themselves off as legit small businesses. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a very similar case in the UK as well. I think of it as being like a it's 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 a real patchwork of different sorts of companies that you find that you come across when you look at the small cap market. Uh, I mean that in both a positive way and in maybe a less so positive way. You know, you find some companies on there um, that have, have maybe fallen from grace. Maybe they're, they've been in decline and they've become smaller companies, but they were previously larger companies. So non-success stories. But at the same time, alongside them, you see some names that are really like the emerging growth stocks of tomorrow, really. And, and that's, it's interesting to find them all in one place, uh, in one segment of the market. And um, like I said, there are some really crazy stories to be found there. Give me one crazy story that you've uncovered, because you're right. As an, <laughs> as an investor, I mean, th- that really is true about those. If you're just running a screen and you're looking for companies of a, a certain size, a certain stock price, outstanding shares, all that sort of thing, you can very easily come up with a list of companies, some of which really are the great businesses of tomorrow. Others are borderline just shell operations just uh, you know i don't i don't want to use the word scam but in some cases they might be scams some of them just beg a belief and you know i can give you one example there's a company called concha plc which began life as a um it was an australian surfer fashion brand called hot tuna um very surreal kind of situation that developed here this company bought the brand for hot tuna um, for a, a few million pounds. Uh, this is going back almost 10 years. And through a series of disastrous blunders, managed to completely erode the value of this of this brand in attempting to resurrect it. Uh, they came back time and time again to, uh, to shareholders asking for, for more money. They hired a celebrity chairman. They had a CEO that came in and left within about a fortnight of arriving. Um, it was just, it's amazing that some of the stories you can find and, and conscious, but perhaps the most surreal of the lot. Uh, and today, uh, inexplicably, the, the company is valued 
uh, to somewhere in the region of 80 million uh, pounds market cap, so well over $100 million. And the company has uh, cash on the balance sheet of barely a few million and um, a handful of investments in some of the weirdest things you'll find. Shall we say, we don't think it's worth more than $100 million, this company, but there it is. Wow, it sounds like one of those companies, if you really like teen fashion stocks, then you got to go with the surfer fashion stock. <laughs> it's, I, I know, it's, it's just amazing. And, and to see the story play out over the course of a decade, and it gets no press. Nobody's talking about the, this sort of stuff. Uh, and that goes for the good names as well. Uh, you can find a lot of interesting stories hidden in plain sight. Motley Fool Hidden Winners is the new small cap service from Fool UK. You can check it out. Just go to fool.co.uk. That's fool.co.uk. Mark Rogers, always good to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank, thank you, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.